In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp. We are into the offseason. Badgers take care of Oklahoma State last week in the guaranteed rate bowl out in Phoenix, 24-17. Send Jim Leonard out a winner. Get him up on the stage. Got him a trophy in his hands. We'll talk about what he had to say after the game uh, as we had a chance. A few of us had a chance to chat with him for, what was it, about two minutes, Jesse? I think two minutes and five questions, but that was five more questions than I was expecting. And, of course, he gave good answers as usual, even if they were short. Yes, for sure. So we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, we also, uh, as per usual, after a season, everyone gives out their way too early uh, two deeps and what we could potentially be looking at in the future for the Badgers. It's a lot more difficult this year, I think, to do these, especially defensively, because things are going to be changing. We don't know exactly how they're going to be changing. So we'll get into that as well. And uh, yeah, but I think obviously the biggest news since we last talked, Chase Wolf is back. No, I'm kidding. Um, We're going to go with uh, he is back, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the bigger news, Tanner Mordecai, the transfer from SMU, has decided to come to Wisconsin. He uh, initially was planning to go pro. Uh, I don't know the exact reason for him deciding to uh, change his direction. Maybe you do. I know that uh, you had an opportunity to, to chat with some people. So, um, But, yeah, he, he makes the decision to, to come to Wisconsin, play for Phil Longo, play for Luke Fickle, and lead this Wisconsin offense. Is, I don't want to call him a stopgap, you know, until perhaps Nick Evers or Miles Burkett or maybe – Maybe Mittower, uh, Mittower is uh, ready to play, but he gives them an experienced guy, and um, it's a great ad. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else can be said about it. It's a, it's a great ad for them at this point in the program and what they're trying to do offensively. I would go as far, Zach, to say that this is one of the most intriguing offseason pickups in college football for one season. There are guys who transfer and have more years of eligibility, but strictly from the perspective of this is a guy who in the last two seasons at SMU – threw 72 touchdown passes, who threw nine touchdown passes in a single game against Houston this past season. So it's an instant plug-and-play guy, someone with a ton of experience, a guy who had the NFL draft on his mind and is choosing to come back to Wisconsin for his last year of eligibility. And you throw into that, you've got this Phil Longo coached offense where they're going to be opening things up more, and it just seems like the perfect fit for one year. And as you said, I do think it works out well because they had so many young guys in the quarterback room outside of Chase Wolf, who may not necessarily have been ready to take the reins next season. Um, but in terms of how this came together, I did have an opportunity to talk to, to Tanner's dad, Micah. And then I also talked to Kevin Murray, who is Tanner's private quarterbacks coach in Texas. And, and Kevin Murray is the father of Kyler Murray, who of course won the Heisman Trophy and was the number one overall draft pick to the Arizona Cardinals back in 2019. And that's a story that's going to be running on The Athletic uh, on Wednesday. So it came together really quickly and much more quickly than I thought this whole process uh, took place. Because the whole the whole thing was on Thursday, it came out on social media that Wisconsin had emerged as the favorite to land Tanner when he'd been in the portal for 30 minutes. And obviously he committed on Friday. I don't know what you thought, but my thought process was this must have been a long time coming, right? Like th- this, this must have been in the works for a while. Um, did you get that? I mean, initially, did you mm-hmm. think that at all? I had never even thought about the name Tanner Mordecai ever in my entire life. Um, 
outside of the nine touchdowns. So I hadn't really thought about it. So the first when I saw, I had to read up on it, right? Because you didn't know that he was even in the portal, uh, that he was a potential possible transfer quarterback. Because you would have, if he had been in the portal and you had knew, known about it, obviously he would only been in the portal for 30 minutes, as you said. But like, if it had been a possibility, like people had actually been talking about it, then I might know a little bit more about him. But as soon as you read up on him, he's like, why is he, what? He's going to the, he's, he's going to the NFL. Why is he going to the NFL? And then, so the first thing that came to my mind was, well, um, tampering on Wisconsin's part, but that kind of went, went out of my mind pretty quickly. I don't know. It came together quicker than you would expect. So you're telling me like within the first 30 minutes, they contacted him and all of a sudden he was interested. There was no contact no. beforehand whatsoever. No. Well, I guess what I mean by that is not that we necessarily knew that it was going down, but just that as soon as he was in the portal that he was coming to Wisconsin, my initial thought process was, well, this is something that Wisconsin has been working on in the background for a week or two or something like that. Even though we didn't, even though we didn't know about it, I don't, I didn't mean like it was public knowledge, but that was my, that was my first thought was how could it come together so quickly? Clearly Phil Longo had targeted him from the day he was hired. And that's not the case at all. I, I asked his dad how long this took. And he said, try a day. So this is what happened on Wednesday morning. The plan was they were going to go meet with an agent in Dallas that Saturday. So three days later, but apparently that day, Kevin Murray, who's got a lot of connections, um, has a connection to Phil Longo. He said he's known Longo for, you know, a decade or so. It it became clear that Longo was looking for a quarterback. and, And Murray said that he orchestrated this whole thing, basically, that he told Tanner, maybe you should consider going to a a school instead of declaring for the draft because you could really enhance your stock. And so this is what it sounds like between basically Wednesday and Thursday when he went in the portal. uh, That's how Wisconsin got into the picture and became number one because Murray said when he entered the portal within 30 minutes, I guess Tanner had texted him saying his phone was going crazy. And Murray said it was a done deal. He said, we entered the portal to commit to Wisconsin. And why did he do it? One reason and one reason only, Phil Longo, which I I feel like we've been saying that a lot recently. I I have to say, I don't know if I can remember, and and maybe you have somebody else in mind, but I don't know if I can remember an assistant coaching hire that made this big of an impact before anything had happened. (laughs) I mean, he's been here for a month, and he's already got all these quarterbacks coming in because they want to play in this system. It's really fascinating. Yeah, the only thing I can compare it to, and it's not an assistant coach, it's a player and what T.J. Watt did at Wisconsin and some of the guys that have come in behind him, right? Like Nick Herbig and Caden Johnson and, and uh, Daryl Peterson, like and just some of the guys, some of the really highly ranked guys that came because of what TJ Watt was able to do here. And then what he was doing in the NFL, but coach wise that has yet to do it on the field at Wisconsin. No, not, right. not at all. He's, I mean, he's, he's turned uh, recruiting quarterbacks at Wisconsin on its head. And obviously it's pretty clear that these guys want to play for him. That's the yeah. story to me. To me, that's the story of this offseason so far. And I, I get that Luke Fickle's the head coach, um, and and all that. But they're not. I don't think they're coming to play for Luke Fickle. They're coming to play for for Phil Longo, with Luke Fickle as the head coach. That's exactly right. Because and something Tanner's dad talked about too. Obviously, they've got a ton of respect for Fickle. Fickle's a defensive guy. If you're a quarterback, you want to go play for who the number one guy is offensively, and that's Longo. And as it as it turned out. Longo and Mordecai developed a relationship during his recruitment a million years ago, because when Longo was the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss in 2017, he recruited Mordecai. Mordecai actually went to Ole Miss and took a visit and he ended up picking Oklahoma 
Longo ended up with Matt Corral. But that relationship was really big for this because he had a, a pretty good understanding of what a Longo coached offense would look like. And his dad said there weren't many places Tanner was willing to go this time. He wasn't going to go play football for just anybody. And I think you hear that echoed throughout a lot of these moves early on here, but that's something that Kevin Murray talked about too. He said, what's the number one criteria when you take a job? It's the person you're going to work for, the company. And in Tanner's case, it was Phil Longo and his track record and and what he did at Sam Houston in developing quarterbacks and obviously Ole Miss and North Carolina. You look at the fact that his last two quarterbacks were Sam Howell, who's a fifth-round NFL draft pick, and Drake May, who finished 10th in the Heisman Trophy voting and is going to be an NFL draft pick. Quarterbacks see that, and they want to build on that success, and they want to be a part of it. So that's really the the only reason that Tanner Mordecai is coming to Wisconsin is because Longo is here. They're going to open up the offense. It doesn't hurt that they've got good running backs and and an offensive line that most schools don't have because that's what's really appealing to a lot of these quarterbacks is, yeah, they want to throw the ball, but they also want to have some balance and be able to run the ball and um, be able to do some special things offensively. So that's really how it came together. I was really astonished to hear that it essentially happened in the span of one day and it wasn't something that took place over the course of a week or two weeks, but that's the appeal of Longo. And obviously Kevin Murray with his connections helped to make this happen. And now Wisconsin has somebody who elevates the offense in a way that nobody on the roster at quarterback could do no, no, no matter how much we've talked about Nick Evers, he's thrown one college pass. And so this changes a lot, I think for what's possible offensively next season. Um, and it just makes the quarterback room and spring practice more interesting. Cause that's the other thing is, uh, Tanner's going to be on campus this week to actually see it, even though he's already committed. And they're going to go back to Texas, pack up and come back mid-January in about a week and a half to start the off-season workout. So all the quarterbacks will be there in spring practice, and it's going to be fascinating. It will be, and I want to get into that in a minute. But uh, just to clarify something from, from me. So Kevin Murray told him that he should go to a uh, back to college for another year. Like that was kind of what his, his message yeah. was to him. Yes, um, that's what it sounds like. Is He at least suggested it that, hey, because I think when it became clear that this was a possibility, maybe um, schools began reaching out. And because there were so many big time schools that were interested in Mordecai, um, it sounds like that led Murray to say, you should at least consider this because you could really improve your draft status by going to a different program, a power five type of school and thriving there. So, yeah, that's that's really how it happened because like I said last Wednesday the plan was to just go meet with an agent and by Thursday he's in the portal and by Friday he's committed to Wisconsin and <clears throat> Wisconsin was made aware or Kevin Murray made Wisconsin aware that it was going to happen it was going to be available that that I think there's probably some gray area there but I think okay. that seems to be kind of he was the one who helped orchestrate this process and so mm. therefore therefore you know, you can have, I guess, is more of a third party involvement to kind of make Tanner aware of what what the possibilities could be, is my gotcha. understanding. Gotcha. All right. Uh, getting into what it means for them. How how does this change your expectations for this offense? I mean, not a, a lot of people. I'm, it was kind of funny. Um, my co-host on Kenny and Heilprin, which we do Tuesdays and, and Thursdays, uh, Ben Kenny, put out a poll the night that Chase Wolf announced that he was coming back and it was like, who do you want or who's going to be the starting quarterback in 2023? And the Nick Evers was like 70%. And then he did the poll about 24 <laughs> hours later and Tanner Mordecai had 80% of the vote. Uh, it's not overly surprising, but it does change completely. I think what people were expecting out of next year. And um, again, I don't want to call him a stopgap 
because I think he's better than that. But what kind of impact can Tanner Mordecai have on this Wisconsin offense? And I look, the last time a, an accomplished quarterback like this came to Wisconsin, it was Russell Wilson in terms of like a yes. transfer. I'm not expecting that kind of impact at all. Russell Wilson had one of the best seasons you uh, a college quarterback has ever had, but it certainly raises the level of expectations. I think next year um, for for this offense for the first for the first year of this offense, it has to. It's really hard to say what exactly that looks like or how many wins that translates to, but it it gives Wisconsin just instant credibility at the most not credibility, but it just instant experience in somebody that you don't have to necessarily develop. That's not why they're bringing him in to he's starting day one. I mean, I think it's the track record that he's had at SMU. And I understand it's different conference, different type of offense, different players and all that. But he's got a lot of talent around him, too. Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi are back. The top three wide receivers from this season we expect to be back as well. And those guys, I think, maybe quietly combined to catch almost 100 passes this year and 14 touchdown passes. So there are pieces around him which is why I think this offense has a chance to be successful. And I don't know that we really could have said that with, with any of the other quarterbacks next season, there were, frankly, there were more question marks than there were answers about the rest of the group. Um, and so what's possible. I, I think this offense is going to be really exciting. I don't know. It's too early to predict because I'd really like to see spring practice exactly what it looks like, but I would expect it to have a chance to be one of the more explosive offenses we've seen. Obviously the top two are 2010, 2011. I won't go that far that they're going to average 40 plus points a game, but there's a lot of talent there and a lot of reason for optimism and what what Mordecai can help this team do in one season. Yeah, I don't want to put too many expectations on him, right? Uh, have we are we on the same page as that he's the overwhelming favorite to start to start? Um, I don't think there's uh, any debate. There's a 100 percent chance he is the starter unless he is hurt. They didn't bring in a sixth year guy with. 7,100 yards passing the last two seasons to sit behind Nick Evers in my mind. I, I think this is actually the perfect situation for Evers too, because he can spend a year in the program and develop and watch what this offense is like in one year and then potentially be in position to be the starter in 2024. You know, what's funny. Um, it was a couple hours before this, this news broke on Thursday, we were having a conversation on text message about quarterbacks and, you know, whether they were going to bring another guy in and, um, you know, whether it was going to be Chase Wolf, because you wrote the, the Chase Wolf column, right? Like that, uh, when did that come out? Did that come out? That came that out came Thursday. Out Thursday. So, we, so we talked, we, we were doing this on Wednesday then. So, uh, you know, going back and forth and just, I'm like, if Chase Wolf's the starting quarterback, it's not his fault, as you said. It's not his <laughs> fault. It's not his fault that he's the starting quarterback. But I think it would be a failure on the part of Luke Fickle and the staff, because that's not, you need to bring in somebody else. You can't have him be your starter because it means that the other guys we've seen what chase wolf is and it would mean the other guys that are in the competition aren't raising their level above what we've seen he is and i think that'd be a failure and then you know within less than 24 hours they bring in tanner mordecai and it's like yep not a failure they've done what they can they've done everything they could to make sure that that room is fixed something that we haven't seen from paul christ uh these last few years uh to building competition within that room and uh that's as good of a room as they've had in quite some time um, star wise, I mean, star wise, if you think about it, I know no one's going to want to hear this, but they had three, four star quarterbacks in the room in, in 2014 with Bart Houston, Tanner McAvoy and, uh, and DJ Gillins. So all those guys were four star quarterbacks coming out of high school or transfers.
or Juco, I should say, in the in the case of Tanner McAvoy. Just just throwing that out there. I think this room is a little bit better, though. So it's just a little bit better than those. Well, three. it's 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 certainly more proven at the top with a yes. guy like Mordecai. But it was funny because Kevin Murray said he seems telling me I said I read something the other day that it said it took Fickle thirty days to build the best quarterback room Wisconsin's ever had. That's what Murray said. He said, "Yep, he did." Whoever said that was right, uh, because obviously they've got. Evers and, and Mordecai, and they've got the four-star commitment from maybe Matire. So that's three four-star Texas quarterbacks. Um, obviously, they won't all play together, but I just thought that was pretty interesting what they've been able to do so soon. It's been pretty impressive. Um, while we're on the topic of quarterbacks, Chase Wolf decided, I mean, he, he gets a start last week, and I think a lot of people wanted to see Miles Burkett. Uh, gosh, the landscape has changed quite a bit since then, um, but a lot of people wanted to see Miles Burkett in that game. Instead, Chase Wolf comes out and was kind of Chase Wolf in that game, right? Like he had some moments where it showed up and it was, you know, pretty darn good. A couple of drives where he, I think he went seven for seven for 80 some odd yards and a touchdown on a on back-to-back scoring drives for Wisconsin. And then, you know, he has that just ridiculously horrible interception, but he's coming back. <laughs> and uh, I think it give, it, it's nice to have that, that veteran in the room. It's not going to count against your scholarship. And if someone were to get hurt, I mean, he he can be a stop. He could be a stopgap for a game or or two. I, I, he's never going to be a starting quarterback. That's just not what he is. And I don't think he's like the only reason I think he's back is because he got the real estate program. Otherwise, he wouldn't mm-hmm. have been back. I think this has a lot to do with uh, academics more so than football. It's just the fact that he's still going to be around. Why not? You know, why not? You know, take another year. Yeah, because you don't have to pay for <laughs> you don't have to pay for your school. So I think that that obviously works out well. And what I wrote was a, a column about this because immediately when the news came out after the game that he was going to come back, pretty much all I heard I think from fans was groaning about why. <laughs> and what I wrote is that this is a good thing for Wisconsin's program, and mainly because what it does is it creates competition. Now that competition isn't going to be the same now that we know Tanner Mordecai is coming, but no situation is there that I can think of where competition is a bad thing. And you can say that you wouldn't have wanted to see Chase play, but if he was the best quarterback out of that competition, um, that kind of speaks for itself on a couple different fronts that the young guys aren't ready and that he's the best option they have, which wouldn't be Chase's fault. But as it stands now, nope, I think it would have been, similar... been failure. Would have been failure. <laughs> on, on... No, just kidding. Well, yes, we don't. I, I guess we don't. Have, we don't have to have that conversation now. But Thanks, what it William. does is, I think was Chase is in a similar situation from what he has been, where he was the the backup quarterback to Graham Mertz the last three seasons. You've got a veteran guy who's good for the room, who is somebody that people will listen to, and he's he's obviously a team first guy. What what did he talk about after the game? That it, it wasn't. It's it's not about anything other than winning. Um, and that's what you want in that room. And so. If something does happen, like this year, they've got an option where they can put a guy in with a lot of experience. And maybe this is the kind of an offense where he'd have more success in, which I think we've said about a lot of the quarterbacks that are on this roster because of his skill set. But to me, this is just a good thing for Wisconsin um, to have a veteran there who can teach some of these young guys, too. That's the other thing is after he's gone, all all the, the rest of the room, they're underclassmen right now. And so he can help them learn things that makes them better quarterbacks after he's gone. Yeah. I, again, I I think it's fine that he's back. I think it's great for him that he's, you know, being able to extend his career a little bit. And as he said, he's got his entire life to work. So why, why start now? Um, And that's true. Right. So he'll stick around and uh, be the, I guess 
battle for the backup job along with the, some of the young guys in that room. I don't think there's anything bad out of it at this right now. There's no, there's no bad that comes out of him coming back in my opinion. Um, it's not yeah, like, I agree. I mean, I mean, the only thing you could say here and, and I guess there are people that will say this is you're taking reps away from miles Burkett and Nick Evers in practice. Like that'd be like the only thing you could sit there and say that that's the bad part of this. And you know, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe those people would be right in, in some sense, but I don't think it's that um, drastic of a, a reduction in, in snaps for these guys, but I guess we'll see how spring ball plays out. Right. I, and I don't, I don't really think that either because yes, while technically true, that makes it sound like Chase is making a selfish decision because he's taking reps away from other people. And then me, it always goes back to competition. And if either of those two guys show that they're better, they will end up getting more reps because they will be the backup quarterback. So I don't, I don't see a downside to this. Um, and if you're a Wisconsin fan, um, I suppose the hope is you don't necessarily see a lot of those guys anyway, because Mordecai will be tearing it up. And that's the goal. That's the goal. Uh, we'll get into the, the two deep in a second, but I do want to touch on the Jim Leonard yep. conversation that we had with him after uh, the game the other day. He didn't want to talk. Um, he was enjoying time with his family. He was enjoying time with the players, but uh, he was nice enough to step away for a couple of minutes to talk with us. And, you know, there were there were only we I mean, I think each of us got a question. Some of us may have gotten two. But what of the what of the questions that were asked got the best answers and which ones stood out to you the most? Well, I think it would be there's a couple. I think what I, I asked him a couple questions that I thought both elicited uh, answers that were illuminating to me. And frankly, a lot of what he didn't say told you all you needed to know <laughs> at this point about I, I, this is this whole situation stings him in a way that is going to live with him for the rest of his life i i, I don't i don't want to sound like hyperbolic here but that that's how i came away from that conversation feeling um so he didn't uh, talk to us for very long as we said and he, he wanted to come back because he wanted to finish it for the team and all that but he said I asked whether he considered coming back and whether that decision to move on was difficult. And what he said was that he had some conversations and I'm quoting him, but I felt there was other things that happened that forced me to make the decision to move on. And then he talked about being excited for his future and not doesn't have a decision, but he wanted to finish it off and move on with a clear conscience. To me, I think the other, other things would be that they hired Luke fickle. Um, but I, I thought that was an interesting answer. And, and I, Go ahead. Just yeah, just just a comment on that. I feel like it had something to do with the defense. I mean, I don't. I think he would have been wor- willing to work for Luke Fickle, but I feel like maybe he wanted more of a say. That's possible in, too. And what was going to happen defensively, and he and, and Fickle was not on board with that. We'll never know. I don't think unless either one of them wants to <laughs> release the details and we'll and get details of exactly what those, those things were, but I, I feel like that probably had a role with it. Maybe it was, you know, keeping certain defensive assistants around. Maybe he wanted to help build that defensive staff and, and Fickle wasn't really willing to do that. I think there's a number of things you could throw out there. None of which I'm saying are fact. I'm just trying to, uh, some things, you know, yeah. I think you could throw out there and, and uh, would, would seem somewhat realistic. That's fair. And I appreciate you doing that because I think that obviously has to be mentioned as well, that Luke Fickle hired, Mike Tressel from Cincinnati before anything else happened, really. Um, I mean, 
that was one of the first moves. And so clearly that would have changed what Leonard would be able to do with the defense. And now, as we see, nobody on staff is coming back. Right. Zero. Yes. Zero. And yeah. So, I mean, yeah, go ahead. You were going to say something else about, I I think you're probably going to go with the, his, the last question that you asked in in his comments, uh, which was very clear, I think. Yeah. I I had asked him and, and, and uh, this is what I would say that that whole thing, um, I was surprised that he agreed to talk to us at all, but it was clear that he wanted to make it very short. And he even said like last, last question, he was, he was ready to get out of there. Um, And so I asked him whether this last month, whether it left a a bitter taste in his mouth or whether he came away from this experience feeling like feeling good about everything that he put in the last seven years. And all he said was a lot of thoughts on that, but tonight's not the night. And then he walked away. And to me that, that told me a lot about (laughs) how he's feeling. I mean, I've said before, I, I feel bad for Jim and the way this happened. And yet Wisconsin, it feels like is in a much better spot long-term for this program, given what we've seen in the first month under Luke Fickle, that doesn't make it any easier for Jim. Um, but those were, those were a couple of my big takeaways. And I know you asked him whether he'd talked to anybody and and he said that he's had conversations, but doesn't feel like he's in a hurry right now to make a move. And frankly, I think I said this before, I won't be shocked if he doesn't do anything for this next year. And and takes his time to figure out what it is he want to do because he's earned the right to not be in a rush to just settle for something. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely the case. Um, it does lead me to believe though, that, you know, again, there will be changes in college football, uh, guys moving on from different spots, but it feels like a lot of the roles that would, he would potentially be open to or open for would be already filled. And it would lead me to believe that the NFL may be an option for him as well. And we, we all know two years ago what Matt LaFleur wanted to do with the Packers and uh, what he wanted. He wanted Jim there and he was his first choice. And he ended up having to take his second or third choice, depending on who you think. And Green Bay's defense, uh, again, this this late season run may completely mess with that, though. I, I don't think it should. Uh, even if they get into the playoffs, I don't think it should. I, there should be a change there. And, and Jim Leonard would be a great fit in Green Bay. I don't know if he would want the job, but he was at least considering it two years ago. And I don't think Matt LaFleur's opinion on him has changed at all in the last two years. So we'll see if I had to guess, I'd say NFL, but that's a total, an absolute guess. I have no clue. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but it, it could go a bunch of different ways. And as I said before, it doesn't really matter what any of us think or anybody tells anybody else. It only matters what comes out of Jim Leonard's mouth because that's the only thing we can trust. Yes. Uh, and I, <laughs> I, I agree that at this late stage, if something were going to happen for this coming season, it would feel like an NFL opportunity. Um, but it remains to be seen. We do know that he's going to have basically his pick of the litter and he certainly earned that opportunity. Yeah. And again, a lot of things could change uh, college football wise because some guys will stay on through this, you know, the February signing period. Others won't, um, you know, this whole bowl once this whole bowl season period is done and, and obviously all the bowls are done except for well, I shouldn't say it. I don't know if there are there any other bowls this week before the national championship. It's hard to keep track. I hope not. <laughs> okay. Uh either way, like once this whole bowl season is completely done, you would think there would be some some moves made from other programs and and uh we'll see if that ends up being the case. But Jim Leonard's tenure at Wisconsin is uh is done. All right, let's get into the depth chart that the depth charts that you put out and uh, I was putting, I'm putting on my defensive one later today, already did the offense. You did both already offensively. 
we kind of already talked about the quarterback. We know who the quarterback is going to be. We think we know who the quarterback is going to be. It's going to be Tanner Mordecai. Um, that'll be trotting out there against Buffalo in September. Um, who's your backup though? Who you got winning the backup job? I put Nick Evers. Um, I, I don't know how much it's going to matter. Obviously if someone gets hurt, I think obviously they, they brought Evers in to develop him and have him be the future at that position. That's just my sense. It's between Evers and Wolf in my mind. And I think people are probably wondering, Hey, what about miles Burkett? Um, I've, Certainly won't rule him out, but I think it's got to be awfully challenging when a new staff comes in and starts bringing in its own people. So for now, I've got Evers. Um, and I really hope that we can see a whole bunch of spring practice because uh, so much is going to change between what we think and what we know at the end of April. Yeah, definitely. Uh, at running back, obviously, you have a, a really good duo at the top. Starter, Braylon Allen, backup, Ches Malusi. We saw them run for what 193 yards and a couple of scores against Oklahoma state. I think that they would kind of be okay with that. Uh, Ches Malusi said as much after the, after the game said, you know, to me, we're the best tandem in the country when healthy. Yeah. But it's, a, but being healthy has been a bit of an issue for both of them. And I think that's the biggest concern because behind them, you don't really have anybody that you could just sit there and say, yep, that's our third guy. Isaac Grendo in the transfer portal, the, op, the, the, the possibilities, Julius Davis, Jackson Aker, maybe Nate white when he comes in as a true freshman, but there's not a ton there. No, there's not. I, I would expect, again, this goes back to staying healthy, but Braylon and Chez are going to carry. <laughs> I would expect almost take as many carries as can possibly be taken because we saw what Longo did at UNC a couple of years ago. He had 2000 yard rushers. That's the ideal situation for Wisconsin in a, in a spot where Wisconsin needs a third guy. I mean, maybe this is Julius Davis's turn. <laughs> He's waited a long time. And I did put Aker at running back because I just think the fullback is gone at Wisconsin, at least based on what Longo did at North Carolina. I think I've said before, 86% of the snaps this past season when he was there were, uh, it was like one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. So they've got some options, but it all starts with Braylon and Chez. And I know Braylon is extremely motivated to have a, a really good junior season because he's disappointed with how he performed his sophomore year. And you look at the numbers and, they're not awful. He ran for 1,242 yards and 11 touchdowns. But when I was talking to him out at, out at the team media day at the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, and this is for a story I'll be doing here later this month, he com he looks at it like he's comparing it to the other great Wisconsin running backs. And I think that's a really interesting way to evaluate your success, and it makes sense. And when you do it that way, then 1,242 yards and 11 touchdowns falls well short of, of what we've seen other running backs do. And his goal clearly is to have a great junior season and then move on and, and become an NFL draft pick. So those are the top two, clearly, Allen and Malusi, and, and I would expect to see him a bunch next season. Yeah, so you mentioned all the 11 personnel that they use at North Carolina. So wide receiver. Yeah. You would think we would count those as three starters, right? So Chimray, DK, Skyler Bell, and Keontes Lewis would be my uh, three starters. I think you probably would agree with that. And then who are the backups? Uh, Dean Ingram, Vinny Anthony, Chris Brooks Jr. I think Marcus Allen's kind of a wild card. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, is he going to be able to put himself back in the conversation? Those three kind of stand out to me. And then maybe even like a Tommy McIntosh, a guy you were kind of obsessed with his height and speed last year, <laughs> um, that that maybe he can put himself in the conversation, too, just because there are going to be opportunities there. Well, he's still got four years of eligibility left, so I could be proven right. Um, I, I think we're thinking of it the same way that the, the top three are obvious because those three 
were the top three this season, and, and we expect them to be back with DK Lewis and Bell. I think Marcus Allen, I have him as a backup with Ingram and Vinny Anthony. Um, but Chris Brooks Jr. did get a lot of the praise of who has stood out in bowl prep, which is like one of my favorite. Uh, this is sarcastic. One of my favorite offseason or, or bowl prep storylines is asking the guys who stood out when we haven't seen a single snap of bowl prep. So, yep. so Chris Brooks Jr., uh, your next All-American wide receiver based on how people talk. But no, obviously he's got a lot of talent and and maybe he works himself into that that backup spot. And obviously if you've got an offense like we think Wisconsin's going to have, having more wide receivers is always a good thing and more playmakers. Definitely. All right, tight end. Uh, starter is Clay Condiff, assuming he's back and healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. He'd be my starter. Backup is Hayden Ritchie. The thing is, there's going to be a lot less opportunities for to have multiple tight ends on the field. Uh, yes. You would you would assume. You would assume. Again, I think there may be a little bit of an adaptation they have to do this first year when maybe you don't have the exact personnel that you want to run the scheme. That said, I think there's going to be a lot less opportunities. So Hayden Ritchie would be the backup, but he's obviously more of a blocker than he is a pass catcher. You could say the same thing about Cole Dokovich and, and Cam Large. Jack Pugh and JT Seegers are two guys that are very intriguing because I think they both have athletic ability uh, to to be difference makers in this offense. But as we saw with Clay Cundiff, how important he was for Graham Mertz in those first, what, four games before he got hurt. The, the tight end, even in this offense, I think could be uh, very valuable. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and we're, we're thinking of it <laughs> – along the same lines as well, which makes sense based on what we've seen. There is a lot of talent there. I also put Riley Nokowski at a tight end because, again, yep, so moving I. away from the fullback, um, he played tight end in spring practice last year because of a depth shortage and would just seem to fit in there. But Seagreaves got in for a snap in the bowl game and caught a three-yard pass. And so sometimes I think what you see in the bowl game can help give you an understanding of, of what's possible for the future. Now, it's a little more challenging this time around because the entire staff is gone <laughs> and Luke Fickle was just kind of there as a figurehead. But they do have talent, um, but it does start with Cundiff and Rucci. And Rucci, by the way, give him props. He did catch a touchdown pass from Chase Wolf in the bowl game. So I guess you could say he's a pass catcher now, too. Yes, I, I did note that in my in my write-up, but come on now. Uh, all right, uh, <laughs> offensive line, I have Jack Nelson at left tackle. I think we only disagree on one spot here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over the one spot I think we disagree with. I got Tanner Bordellini at center. I got Trey Wedig at right guard. I got Ryan Mullman at right tackle. I'm going Joe Brunner at left guard instead of Michael Furtney. Um, I don't know if you had him at right guard or left guard. Michael Furtney, I assume you have him to start in the starting lineup. I'm of the opinion that Joe Brunner is going to jump up and take that. Uh, yeah. we, saw a little, we saw a little bit of him in the bowl game. He had the pulling and just smashed the linebacker on Ches Malusi's touchdown. It looked like the mountain like uh, squishing uh, a guy's head in Game of Thrones. So, like, I, I like Joe Brunner. I think if he, uh, it's a new staff, so we don't know exactly what they like, and and that, and I think that's a qualifier here. But I'm going with Joe Brunner uh, in that starting five. So what I did was I based my starting five on what we saw in the bowl game, and therefore I put Trey Wedig at left guard and Michael Fortney at right guard. But what I also did was I gave myself an out because in my overview at right guard, I said that I can see a situation where Brunner's ready to play, and he moves in as a starting left guard, and that puts Wedig at right guard and moves Fertney out of the lineup. Obviously, all 38 of Joe Brunner's snaps came at left guard and looked good in the bowl game. And I think we've seen that there have been stretches when Fertney, while he starts, he sort of, it's easy to move him out of the lineup. Um, and and that would kind of be what I think is a, a possibility. 
But again, a lot of this goes back to, I'd really like to see some practices before making that decision, but I don't think we're that far off. And, and frankly, I, I won't be surprised if the, the starting five that you have ends up being what it is. Um, it says a lot about Wedding, by the way, who, I mean, just a massive dude who can move all over and have played left guard, right guard, right tackle. But if you look at that group as a whole, and I feel like we've said this the last couple of years, there's a lot of talent there. And maybe this will be the year where, where that talent sort of matches up with high level execution because you've got Nelson back for his third year as a starter. Wedding has a ton of talent. Bordellini's the most versatile player on the line. And I should also say that we are making these projections and the roster is not finalized. I would fully expect them to add some pieces uh, on the offensive line, which is what Luke Fickle said, that the two positions that need to be addressed the most here in this offseason are defensive line and offensive line. So maybe there's a situation where Wisconsin can get a center and, and Bordellini winds up playing guard, but it's a really good group. And Riley Mallman at right tackle, uh, pretty damn good tackle, I think. Yeah, and again, I, I said the same thing in terms of the center spot. Like, it's a possibility they go to the transfer portal. There is a pretty good center in the transfer portal right now that Luke Fickle has <laughs> a pretty good familiarity with in, in Jake Renfro. But I feel like if that was going to get done, it would have already gotten done. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't know what to think. I, I yes, <laughs> because <laughs> off-season workouts start and like, or they come back to campus in a week and a half. Right. Um, on the other hand, I they, they still have some time here to figure out what they want to do. But they you, do. You would want to get somebody I think who's experienced that you could put in and play right away, as opposed to another high school guy who's going to need time to develop. Because offensive line of more than any other position, you're not generally seeing guys as true freshmen play. And I think they'd like to have somebody available right immediately. Yeah, uh, some of the backup guys that uh, we're going to be talking about, or even maybe even seen next year. Obviously, Nolan Rucci is still the five-star. Stuck behind Jack Nelson. Uh, maybe he pushes somebody else for a time. Maybe he pushes Riley Malman for a starting spot at right tackle. I don't know. You would think if, uh, again, new coach coming in, right, uh, with with Jack Picknell, you don't know exactly what he wants at different spots. So it could, these guys could move around. We're, we're just doing this based on what we we know of this. Uh, Dylan Barrett, I had him as the backup center. J.P. Benchall, one of the backup guards. Um what Barrett Nelson, maybe the backup right tackle. Uh, so there, there are a lot, a lot of names there. I don't think any of them that we have any really clue uh, where exactly they're going to fit though. Agreed with that. Totally agreed. And the other thing is we don't know the philosophy from the O-line coach of what he wants to do at Wisconsin, because that was a big talking point in the, in the previous off season was, well, Joe Rudolph wanted these guys to be versatile and cross train and play multiple positions. And Bob Boasted wanted to stick at one position, which, didn't always end up being the case, but what is the philosophy and, and what does he want out of these guys? And maybe he sees it a different way from what they've been doing. I don't know. All right, let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball and uh, get into that too deep uh, real quickly. And as I said at the top of the show, we don't know exactly what this is going to look like. And uh, I kind of took the same tact as you and that, yes, Luke Fickle and company run a three, three, five or did it Cincinnati last year, the last couple of years, they started there when they started there, they actually ran a four man front and then they went switched to the three, three, five. However, they all, uh, Luke Fick also said, we're not going to blow up what's been working either. Uh, we're not going to go completely away from what has been successful here. It's kind of like building culture and, and building an environment. You don't, you don't just tear that down just to tear it down. Uh, they're going to potentially look into ways to uh, uh, I think 
accentuate what has worked and maybe change some things that maybe they think uh, they could do even a little bit better. That said, I feel like it's the, the best way to go about this is to go about it like they're still going to be playing a version, maybe maybe not the exact same version, but a version of the 3-4. And I think that's kind of how you went about it as well. Yeah, um, I cheated a little bit by creating 12 starters because we have, again, no idea oh, exactly okay. what it's going to look like. Well, I mean, I have... Yeah, the nickel, right? While like the expect- you, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, so while that's... the expectation is that it'll be 3-3-5, I do have sort of two inside backers, two outside backers, three three defensive linemen, and, and then five defensive backs, and, and they'll sort it out in spring practice from there. Yep. So starting the defensive line, Isaiah Mullins is back. He missed some uh, a large stretch of time this year, so he's coming back as a six-year senior. Confirm that. Uh, get an opportunity to play with his brother, who's a transfer. Um so that's that's awesome for for him and for his brother getting to play together. I went with Rodas Johnson uh, as the other starter, though I could also see James Thompson Jr. Some of the the plays that he was able to make this year, I could see him uh, pushing for a starting time. I think all three of those guys uh, obviously have starting potential. I don't really know um, which one would. Eh. I like all three of them. I I could name all three of them starters. I went with Mullins and Johnson as well. Johnson did play more snaps this season. He played 493 and Thompson played 379. But those two guys collectively, I think, had pretty solid seasons. They had 46 tackles and 12 and a half tackles for loss between the two of them. And sometimes up there, it can be interchangeable almost. Um, but those would be the top three. And then I think Cade McDonald is, is an intriguing player. Just look at his size. Yeah. He's yeah. six foot six. And he did play in 11 games. And he played... 127 snaps so from that group those are the ones that stand out at the top and Isaac Townsend was someone who was hurt obviously had transferred from Oregon a year ago or so and and maybe he can work his way up Mike Jarvis was hurt but they need depth up front um and I do think that that's yeah I do think that's another position that Fickle's going to address because there's a lot of walk-ons that are coming in on on the D-line but he'd like to have some some higher end type of guys to be impactful and they are chasing guys. Uh, yes. It's, 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 a, it's apparent, you know, yeah, they're chasing guys in the portal. There's no doubt about that. And it's not just obviously defensive end. Nose tackle would also be a spot. I feel like we're going to disagree on this. I know Gio Pia's got majority of the snaps on, or not majority, but a lot of the snaps on uh, in, in the bowl game. I'm with Kurt Neal as my starter. I feel like he's got mm-hmm. a higher upside. Uh, Gio thought he had a good game on last Tuesday, but I'm going to go with Kurt Neal as, as my starter at nose tackle. And then throw Ben Barton in there somewhere too. But I would be shocked if if there's there's not an addition at nose tackle slash defensive tackle slash defensive end. Yeah. I went with Paez primarily based on experience. And sometimes I based it on snap counts, just who played the most this year and therefore who would be in a better position because Paez played 165 snaps and Neil played 47. But I, I don't disagree that Neil's got a higher upside. And this is something that I pointed out. Even though he didn't play a ton, he only played appeared in three games this was a really big season for him and because he went more than a year <laughs> trying to recover from ACL injury. He played in one of those weird uh, spring seasons his junior year when he tore his ACL. And so the senior year was later on that season. He missed his entire senior season of high school. He came early as a, as an early enrollee for spring practice, but he couldn't participate in the, in the team activities could only do some indie work. And so I think just for him to get on the field was really important and I do like his potential. He had a lot of really good offers. And before he got hurt, I think was a, a pretty big time prospect. And I think I even remember Ross Kalaji saying that he felt like in the end, 
Neil was one of the recruiting steals in that in that class. Uh, so he felt very good about getting him. It's just going to take some time coming off the ACL injury. So I'm picking Neil or, or I'm picking Piaz, but won't be surprised if it is Neil. Yeah, Neil's a little bit smaller, not not smaller guy, but he's shorter. He's a little mm-hmm. bit shorter than than anybody else. Um, I've seen some posts on Instagram calling him short king. So um, <laughs> either way, outside linebacker, again, we're doing essentially a three, four, but outside linebacker, I know that the expectation is that CJ gets is returning, but I haven't, I don't think that's official yet. So I did not, no. I did not throw him in my starting unit. I got Daryl Peterson and Caden Johnson as my starters and backups uh, being TJ bowlers and uh, everyone's favorite. When is, is he going to play? Is he still hurt? What's going on? Aaron Witt uh, in, in that group as well. I went with gets again, uh, no confirmation on that, but, he wasn't among the seniors listed on the on the senior day roster and just haven't he, he hasn't made an announcement, but I I went with him and Peterson as my starters and Johnson as bowlers and bowlers as the backups. Yeah, but fine. I think among the defense, he might be the only he might be the only one we're waiting on because John Torchio made his announcement that he's gonna pursue the NFL draft. So I don't actually think there's very many people that were unsure of uh their status. I was gonna throw Travion Blaylock in there too. Yes, yes. Um Cause I'm not sure. And he's just been so snake bitten by injury. Like he's every time he feels like he's got a shot to be in the lineup or a shot to play, something pops up and, and obviously a really unfortunate injury in spring last year that gosh, if he doesn't get hurt, I think he's probably the starter alongside Torchio. Um, but either way uh, it worked out cause they got Kamoi Latu and uh, I'm not sure they got Kamoi Latu if, if uh, Trayvon Blaylock's not hurt. So uh, inside linebacker feels like it's going to be the same as it was this year with, with Muma Jong Mehta and Jordan Turner, and then Jake Cheney getting some playing time. And I know that he was really heavily used on third downs. I don't know exactly. They liked him as a pass rusher. I don't know. We'll see what Trestle likes to use him as, but those are my top three. And then you can throw in Tate Grass and Brian Sanborn and Spencer Lytle. Yep. I don't have much more to say on that. <laughs> we're, we're we're in agreement. I mean, John Meta, I think very quietly, he ended up with 95 tackles this season and he finished second on the team with 11 and a half tackles for a loss. So he came on pretty well. I think Jordan Turner had some instances where he perhaps missed some tackles, but had a decent season, was a defensive player of the game in the bowl game, even though uh, I don't know. I don't know who picked who that. Got to choo- <laughs> who got to choose that? Who got to choose yeah. that? Uh, to, in, in inside baseball, so we got a sheet during the bowl game. The reporters we? were covering the game. Well, I was handed a sheet, but didn't want to make the decision because it was supposed to be all of us to decide who the offensive and defensive players of the game were. Um, and I picked the guy from Oklahoma State who had double-digit tackles, and then they obviously cho- chose Jordan Turner, which made sense because I didn't think about the fact that they would never pick someone from the losing team to stand up on the podium while the other team celebrated. So I guess that's how they settled on Jordan Turner. Yeah, I'd like to say that uh... – among the other media members, not named Jesse Temple, we we picked Muma. Um, so you were wrong so, too. Well, not even wrong. I mean, if you had put Muma, I think they pro- they would have been fine with Muma. All right. Well, then I I'd like to issue a formal apology to Muma then for costing him the shot at the defensive player of the game award, even though I didn't even make the pick. Somebody I, else made the pick. Yeah. No. And I would also like to say that uh, there apparently some people were upset um, that there wasn't a special teams MVP uh, because Andy Bujanovich had a great game. Had a great game that the special teams in general for Wisconsin, that may have been their best performance of the year for some of the things that they were able to do return wise and kick wise. I mean, you had the fake punt, just the the ability to pin guys deep. I mean, it was I thought they may have had their best game of the year. I don't know. 
either way. Jumping back into this, cornerback. Another spot that I don't necessarily think they're done adding, perhaps from the transfer portal, but the starters, Alexander Smith back for a six-year. He confirmed that uh, after the game. I thought there may have been a, a shot because I don't – I know he was disappointed that Jim Leonard was leaving, but he, he said he's coming back. Ricardo Hallman, a guy who started much of the year uh, when Alexander Smith was out, would be the other starter for me. And then I don't know how you pronounce it. Jason, uh, is it Matre? Matre? I, really I was really hoping you'd nail it because I don't know. Jason Matre, I'm going to go with Matre, uh, six-year senior transfer from from Boston College. I think maybe the nickel. He's a guy that played corner, played safety uh, for BC, so he's got he's got that ability. But I think there's, I mean, I think there's, I think Max Lofi would also be in the mix for the for that nickel spot. Yep. Right. Once again, we're looking at it the same should I let way. You, and then, should I let you go first on some of these? No, or? it's fine. It's fine. I had it's the backups. I got Al Ashford, Avion Jones, who we did see uh, in the bowl game. And then Lofi, which before they made the the move with the transfer portal edition, I just put Lofi as my top nickel corner. Um, they've got yeah. some options. We saw Amon Williams in the game too, <laughs> in the ball yeah. game. Um, spring I'm, spring ball legend. <laughs> yes, he is, and sometimes fall camp legend too. Yeah, I'm really interested Pract- to see some legend. of the young. I'm uh, yes, I'm interested to see some of these young corners. I'm, I don't know that they'll necessarily be ready, but the one who's most intriguing is. Amari Snowden for reasons we talked about probably in the recruiting episode this they, they've got a six three four star prospect they usually don't get corners with that kind of size um and athleticism and versatility I think it'll be really interesting to see him but they've got four coming in on scholarship yeah. Yeah. Jonas Duclona they have AJ Tisdell who's a holdover holdover from the previous staff and same with Jace Arnold um but a lot of young guys so that's why it's been important for them to to add some depth just like they did last year getting three guys out of the portal who all contributed. Yeah. Uh, at safety, I've got uh, Kamoi Latu and Hunter Wohler as John Torchio moves on. So if those two guys played a ton this year, it was kind of a three-man rotation. And then my backups are Austin Brown and Preston Zachman because I, I don't know if you have – I assume you have Travion Blaylock as a backup. I just haven't – because he hasn't said anything yet, I haven't necessarily thrown him in there. I put Blaylock in just like I did Getz, basing it on – a potential outcome that we don't know uh just something that seems plausible because he missed the entire year he's dealt with injuries for so long and if he wanted to come back i would think certainly wisconsin would welcome him back in this new staff because as you said he was in position to be the starter last year when he got hurt in spring practice he was running with the ones and that obviously allowed hunter to jump in with john torchio wisconsin ended up with kamoe latu so i had blaylock and zachman but wouldn't be surprised if boston brown challenges Certainly a lot of talent there. And after that, um, not much in terms of experience. Obviously, Austin doesn't have much of experience. He got 51 snaps. But you've got some young guys, Braden Moore, Justin Taylor. Hey, Is he back at safety? Where was he before? I thought he was at running back. Maybe he's at safety. I don't know. It doesn't I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, I, th- I, I thought he was That's at safety. Spirit. Maybe I, he I, was. I, Maybe he'll go. Uh, maybe he. I mean, he's. That's the thing. He's an athlete. He can go wherever he wherever he needs to. Um, the last the last time I looked, he was at safety. But again, that's irrelevant. Considering the lack of depth at running back, he may be a better better fit there. We what he was able to do in, in high school, impressive. Uh, we'll run through these specialists here pretty quickly. Uh, kicker, Nate Van Zelst, a revelation this year. Um, at least yes. on, on short field goals, and then he and then he goes out and blasts a forty seven yarder in the guaranteed rate pool. Very nice conditions inside Chase Field, uh, outside of the field, obviously, itself. But um, good kicking conditions for him 
uh, in the desert. Yes, as much as it may pain me to say, as a, a founding member of the Vito Calvaruso fan club last season, I, I, Van Zelst just to me goes into the offseason as as the top guy based on what he did. He had an excellent season. He made eleven of fourteen field goals. He made all three of his kicks from forty plus yards. As you said, he had the forty seven yarder. He made all thirty five of his extra point attempts. I know that Vito has a stronger leg, but he's got to stay healthy and he's got to be consistent. And Van Zelst was able to do those two things. Really impressed with what he was able to do to shore up a, a position that I think felt like maybe had some question marks, especially after Calvaruso got hurt. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Gavin Lom, also a guy that is more of a kickoff specialist. And so I think he probably, him and Vito would probably be those, the two there for the kickoff specialist, but maybe he can be a, a long field goal guy as well. Punter, a little bit up in the air, I think. Uh, Gavin Myers was has been the backup to Andy Vujinovich, but um, I would throw him in there. Jack Van Dyke, another guy we saw uh, doing some punting during uh, warmups. Uh, he was more of a punter than he was a kicker during warmups. So I think he might be a guy that could potentially be there. Or maybe they add somebody in the, something in the transfer portal if they don't like either of those guys. I went with Myers as the starter and Van Dyke as the backup, but truthfully, I have no idea because we've just been watching <laughs> Andy Budovich boom punts for three years. Um, those are the top two options years. in my mind. God, he was here that long? It feels like he just transferred in from Dubuque. Um, well, we did just transfer in from Dubuque, but time goes fast, especially in seasons where they only play seven games. Yep. Uh, long snapper, uh, Peter Bowden back for his senior year. Uh, Duncan McKinley and, and Zach Zai, uh, the backups there, right? All right, yep. we're moving on. Punt returner, mm-hmm. assuming Dean Ingram is back, right? We don't, I guess we're not positive on that. I think, I think he probably is. Uh, I know there was some question about, you know, with his dad gone, would he want to go? But he was here before his dad. I expect him to be here after his dad, unless he just wants more playing time at wide receiver. But if he's back, he's their punt returner. And, and I put Jim Ray DK as the backup there. Yep, same. I mean, some of this is based on what the positions were like in the bowl game. And I know full well that uh, a new staff is going to evaluate a bunch of guys. We often see that in spring practice, too. There might be six guys returning kicks or returning punts just so they can evaluate different options. But Ingram has been the main punt returner for the last three seasons. And uh, he's increased his average every year. But I think if you're a Badgers fan, you probably want to see a little more explosiveness out of that position. Yeah. Uh, Kick returner, I thought Shimray DK had a great bowl game in that respect uh had a nice really nice return to set up uh, i think it was after after the uh, initial touchdown by oklahoma state he returned the kickoff and put them up in some pretty good position um and Keontes lewis to be the backup but i think there's so many different players that could be uh forced into both the punt returner role and in the kick returner role you could really change things around exactly i think as the starter and lewis as the backup again that's what the two deep looked like in the bowl game but i also think that if dk is going to have this as big of a role as he potentially could at wide receiver that sometimes those returners, they use, they use other guys just so they don't stretch somebody so thin. On the other hand, pretty good audition that DK returns one fifty three yards in the bowl game. Um, so as of now, he'd be the guy, but it, uh, again, it goes back to can't wait to watch some spring practice and see what Wisconsin's working with and what this coaching staff is thinking about all which of these is, positions, which is hilarious to say uh, because after four months of daily, <laughs> I should even say four months, five months of daily football, you're like, I really kind of wait, can't wait to get to March and see what this is going to look like. But we're going to, uh, but this, this off season is going to leave no time off uh, for you. No days off. Hashtag yeah. no days off. Hashtag no days off. And uh, a lot of people I think are still going to be added to this depth chart uh, one way or the other guys coming in and guys going out. So I think this is all going to change and we'll, we'll get to do this again, probably in a, in a month or two. Uh, until then, though, uh, we'll be back next week 
uh, I'm sure hopefully at some point they're going to announce some coaching hires. <laughs> I think, you would I think, think we're all, I think we're all hopeful for that um, and, and finalize the staff and get that all in place. And uh, then we can talk with them and bring you more information on exactly what this is going to look like in the new Luke fickle era until then, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks Zach. All right. You've been listening to the camp.